Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. It's film reviews and movie news. I'm Stuart Pink and joining me via the interweb, he's always early because he drives a DeLorean. It's Mark Searby. Hello. Hello. You still got, is that needing uh, road tax these days or are you in the vintage section? Do you know, I actually have a friend um, in San Diego who owns a DeLorean. And because wow. obviously San Diego Comic-Con happens every year, what he does yeah. is he dresses up as either Doc or Marty every year and drives around downtown San Diego and just parks up. And loads of people come and have photos with it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one year um, he had dressed up as Doc with the, you know, the mad like helmet thing that he had, that he puts on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goggles. Yeah. So he had all of that um, and he took and uh, he had a photo taken, stood next to his car anyway it turned up on the front page of uh like <laughs> entertainment weekly and people magazine and all of these things oh awesome. yeah yeah it was fantastic so yes he he does own a delorean and the first year i met him uh we went to um a karaoke bar with loads of other people uh and he turned up and he parked his and uh my other half was like oh my goodness you've got a delorean he's like yeah come and have a photo in it so she was like okay right fine yes please. i didn't know any of this because i was in the bar getting very drunk so <laughs> i missed all of this um oh, no. yeah so she's photo in the delorean and he kitted it all out and it is his car as well that's the thing like he's got two cars but he does take that out to go to the shops I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? <laughs> why, is... why have another car? Well, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> but um, because obviously they don't make that car anymore, it's very difficult to get parts. So he has to be very careful with it now. Yeah. Although the advantage is, of course, you can go to the future, find out what's going to be wrong in the MOT, <laughs> and then fix it before it goes wrong. That's why <laughs> they've got you so what, many still hanging on. In America, they have got long enough roads that they can get to 88 miles an hour very easily. <laughs> that's the yeah. thing. So. That's the trouble. There's loads of them around here. They just haven't managed to get that fast yet. No <laughs> chance of getting 88 miles an hour down at Wilson's Corner, is there? Let's face oh, it. Not at all. No. Not at all. No. Never happened. <laughs> How are you, Mark? I'm very good, thank you. Yes, um, so you may have seen the news that uh, the Golden Globe nominations have been announced. Uh, the Golden Globes are sort of the precursor to the Oscars. Um, they have... Okay. Their categories are kind of weird in that they're, well, not weird, but they've just split it up a lot more. They go, oh, best film in drama, best film in comedy, best film in whatever, best actor in drama. Best... So there's loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of categories, like more than the Oscars. Um, as with most um, awards nominations, there's films missing that should be in there. There's films... Oh, it's usually the odd one gets it, overlooked, oh, isn't it? absolutely, yes, always that. Um, but I think... Looking at this year and the way that the the year has gone, certainly in terms of films being released and films that I think probably would have been in there in a normal year, but obviously it's not been a normal year. It's yeah. interesting to see what is in there. And I think most of the films that uh, have already been released actually are nominated as to be expected because, you know, th that's just the way it goes. However, there's some films in there which us in the UK have not seen. They've not been released. Oh, is this yeah. because they've been out in the States in the cinema, but we haven't had them well, yet? Well, that or? and also they put them on premium video on demand in the States because they've got a deal with one of the, you know, one of the uh, outlets or something like that, whereas here in the UK they don't. Oh. So it is quite a mess when it comes to something like that. Um, you know, the, I mean, one of the front runners that people have been talking about for a long time is Minare, which stars Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead. Um 
but it's it's sort of in limbo land, like a lot of films are here in the UK yeah. that ordinarily would have gone to the cinema, probably made a medium-sized splash, but actually made a bigger splash based on the fact that they've been nominated. So this is where some of these films... So people are going to look at these lists and go, where do I see I this film? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that is. And that's because <laughs> we haven't had it. Like in a normal year, we probably would have had oh, it. Oh, no. So... Yeah, it's the it's injustice really, of it all. Well, kind of. Yeah, that's the weird thing, you know. Um, there's some bits on there where I'm like, oh, we, we, you know, we should have had that. Get that out on premium video on demand. But it all depends on what their contract stipulations are here in the UK. That's the problem. Um, mm. So it all gets an, a bit technical. It does. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, so an interesting year, really, in terms of Golden Globe nominations. I mean, I'm not going to go through them because there's, there's so many categories. We're going to be exhausted before we've even got to films. But, you know, I, I just find that it, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes with the Golden Globes because normally, as I said, that's a front runner for the Oscars and, and who starts yeah. to pick up. You know, I think you're, you're probably looking at your, your same sort of set of films, basically, you know, something like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, something like that, um, you know, which are two films on Netflix, which is hilarious, really. Yeah, um, they've done the right again this well, year. Well, another year where, you know, they're starting to get uh, the the awards buzz when three years ago they were told, no, sorry, we don't accept films that go straight to streaming. <laughs> so, Imagine if they did that this year. There'd be like no one in it. Well, there'd be like four <laughs> films. And yeah. most of those we would not have seen either. That's the thing. So yeah. it's interesting um, where this is going to go, I have to say. Um, I am, I, I'm just curious to watch where it goes. I think that's the thing. Rather than who wins, because actually most of the mm. nominations are actually really good films. So it's not as though I go, well, that's what's that it's doing? It's not about in there? the winning. It's about the taking part. It's about it? the taking part. And normally you do see it and you go, well, what's that doing in there? That's a terrible film. Get in, you know, whatever else. <laughs> but actually these and nominations seem seem justified on the whole, shall we say. As I said, some people missing, some films missing, whatever, whatever. But I think it's all the kind of same um, yeah. in that we're going to see more and more of these same films nominated time and again, but that's because they're the only films out there. <laughs> same people, same faces. All yeah, again, but you know, some of those faces are really good. That's the thing, like really good actors and deserve an award. So we wait to see on that one. If um, you had to pick one category with for a surefire winner, what would you pick? Oh, come on, come on. Oh, God. The, come uh, on. the Golden Mark Awards. <laughs> I mean, that's so difficult, so difficult because... Put you on the spot there. Yeah. Mm, I, I don't know. This is the problem. This is the real problem here. I mean, I get the feeling best that... best film involving Lily James? Mm, that's a good category. Mm, that is a good category. Yeah. I'd have to look um, that. I'd have to watch those films again not on my own. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> um, going back to your question, okay... Um, I don't want to, do you know, I don't want to pick like a best film or best actor or anything else like that. So as I've said to you previously, foreign language films, I really enjoy the categories. I find them really interesting. So mm. I'm curious to see how well Mads Mikkelsen's film Another Round does, because that picked up a lot of buzz oh, off yeah. the film festivals. I saw it at the London Film Festival. I absolutely loved it. It's not been released here. Um, it was meant to be released 
last month. It's meant to be released next month. We wait to see. I've so, seen the trailer a couple of times in the uh, coming soon section. But yes. It's, it's never, still not come yet. Yes, that's the <laughs> thing. Still coming soon. Um, <laughs> so my tentative pick for maybe foreign language would hopefully be another round. But uh-huh. mm, we wait to see. We wait well, to see. That's... As I said, I'm not, I, I don't want to predict too much with that. Um, you know, it's like the Oscars. You predict with it and then all of a sudden they go, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, it's like last year. You think, <laughs> yeah, they'll, well, that'll be best film. And then they stun everybody and go, Parasite. And you go, well, yes, obviously it's deserved, but we didn't know you were going to choose a foreign language film. <laughs> that one, that one's going to win that sweepstake, eh? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. So, yeah, that's so. Golden Globe nominations are out. The other thing I've got to mention as well is that this came out towards the end of last week. Uh, Robbie Collin of the uh, Telegraph got uh, a scoop that there is a cinema chain here in the UK that have signed a deal to allow every film that they have at their cinema to be released on streaming slash DVD Blu-ray either 30 days after release or, if it's a big blockbuster, 45 days after release. So when we go back to cinemas are open, you can go and see films on the big screen and whatever else, there's going to be some films that are at the cinema so you can go and have that cinematic experience still. However, if you don't want to do that, if you think, oh, no, you know, I'm saving my money to go and see something else, it might be a film that you can wait 30 days or 45 days and experience it in your own home for a premium price, you know, whatever it is, nine ninety nine, so $14.99. You pay your ticket price, but get it at home. Yes, exactly. So yes. like what they did with Wonder Woman, you know, came out in December, cinemas shut down, and then they put it on premium video on demand last month. Um, yeah. So, so there is that scoop. So, you know, fantastic from Robbie Collin, I've got to say, Excellent. because that's yeah. a really interesting thing. The fact that previously it was like an emergency window that the film industry had put in. But now that this is going to be the norm, I think we're going to see a lot more films a lot quicker. That's really going to open it up, isn't it? So it is. We can stop all this delaying release of films. And... See, it's great. It's great. Yeah. And this goes back to it is the fact that, you know, I love seeing films on the big screen. It's fantastic. But sometimes yeah. you just don't have the time to go and see it. And you think, I'd love to see that. Yeah. And then a month later, it's on video on demand. And you go, well, great, fantastic, Nine ninety nine. There you go. Take my money. I can sit here and watch it. It's fantastic. So Otherwise, you miss it for its screening, and then you've got to wait ages the, to catch it. Well, the traditional window was 16 weeks. It felt like 16 years. Well, sometimes. it does feel like that. That's the weird thing, especially yeah. when a film has done really well at the box office. So it's had a longevity at the box office. When it finishes at the box office is then the 16 weeks. That's the thing. Oh, brilliant. So, Oh, that's a game changer. Is that going to be the case is. for all films then, do you think? Mm. Go forward. I don't know if all films... So it's a good question. I'm not sure. I think a lot of people are waiting to see how it will play out. But this new normal in terms of watching films on the big screen and then seeing them at home pretty soon after is coming very quickly. What we need is another Trolls World Tour to test the whole thing out. (laughs) Well, good. (laughs) Well, listen, we haven't officially had word, but let's face it, we're going to get one, aren't we? It'd be criminal if we didn't really, would it? Well, what did I, I mean, I can't remember what money. I said to you, how much it made. I mean, it was something something stupid, like 300 million worldwide when every when all cinemas were shot. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? 
It is. For a couple of trolls, we could have made that ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So, yeah, I think we'll get another Trolls 3. Um, and, you know, they... In years to come, there will be case studies written about Trolls World Tour. <laughs> about, Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, about the impact that it had on the film industry. Um, it's, a, it's a curious, curious beast, that film. It really is. I mean, I like the film. There's a few bits wrong with it and whatever else. But for for it to change the industry, not single-handedly, but, you know, as, as yeah. a sort of forward leader. A real milestone. Yeah, it's amazing, really. Speaking of uh, amazing films, should we do this week's reviews? Let's do it. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's film reviews and movie news. Mr. Mark Searby, what we got this week? So, film on Netflix called Malcolm and Marie. Um, Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. So this is a story about a film director and his girlfriend's relationship. Uh, it is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await the critics' reviews. Oh, Ooh. this is what happens behind the scenes. This is what happens behind the scenes. From like yeah. Tuesday through Thursday while you're writing down your reviews. Yes. <laughs> Make or break a relationship. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, interesting thing about this film is it was shot in LA during their summer lockdown last year oh right yeah um so it stars uh john david washington and zadaya just them two that's the only people in the film it's shot just in one house so it's like a chamber piece basically i thought it was from the trailer all in all in one location all in one location yep shot with a very minimal uh, crew as well written by sam levinson who uh, wrote and directed Assassin, uh, Assassination Nation, which I thought was a great film, actually. Um, but none of that matters because I think this film could have been made at any point and it would still be relevant. Because, mm. yes, it's about two celebrities, but the central themes that they discuss and argue and agonise over are everything that people go through in relationships, I think. Um, so, you know, the, the highs and the lows, everything in between... Um, Malcolm is on a high after his film premiered through the roof, basically. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be the next big hit. Um, I talked to some of the critics after and they were raving about it and whatever else. Marie, very pleased for him. She knows it's not her night as well. That's the thing. Um, But all of a sudden things start to happen. Things are said and energy starts to rise and something starts to change between them. And, and what we watch is a film of two people who are so full of life that their arguments, their discussions, their conversations all take place right at the top of the energy level of a human like being. like me and you. Well, kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> think we go through these arguments. I've got to be honest. And I, no, no, I have well, to say, yeah. I've never uh, dabbed you Not down air, while... <laughs> Well, I've never dabbed you down while in the bath. I mean, that happens in this film. So No, not that I can remember. No, oh, right, well, okay. mm. um, every, yeah, every single moment in this film is at a high energy. I mean, it really gives Uncut Gems a run for its money in terms of intensity. Mm. Malcolm's oh, nice. exuberance very quickly turns into toxic masculinity because he starts talking down to Marie. But Marie's not having any of that. She fights back figuratively and literally, actually. Neither of them willing to back down. But for all of the barking and biting they do, it's the ebb and flow of the discussions and and them lovingly kissing each other as well. I think that's the thing that's going on here. 
But mm. then it goes off again and they start shooting their mouths off at each other and crying and silence fills the room uh, and fills the house. I could, I, I wish I could tell you there's one standout moment in this film between Malcolm Marie, but there isn't. And that's because the entire film stands out. Like what I said about the bath, there's a scene where Marie lays bare her thoughts to Malcolm while in the bath. So, you know, she's completely naked there. She has nothing to hide behind, not yeah. even the water. Um, so she she just pours it forward. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, wow. Then there's a scene where Malcolm gives this long, 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 long diatribe about how critics and filmgoers just don't understand his films. And it, it keeps rising and rising and rising until it gets to this unbelievable crescendo. I mean, it's an incredible monologue from John David Washington because um, mm. he, he's absolutely brilliant in this film. He peaks and troughs throughout the film at, at such a high energy level that I kind of thought he was going to explode at some points. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, wow. it's really interesting. I think as much as his performance is brilliant, I think he is eclipsed by, by Zendaya's performance. It's mesmerising. Her performance as Marie is mesmerizing, stunning. I mean, this is acting. You know, we, we talk about it yeah. a lot and I'm like, yeah, acting or whatever else. But when you have a chamber piece like this where people can't hide behind anything apart from the dialogue, and when the dialogue's written very well and they're able to project it, you get something like this. You get people who understand the word on the page or work with the writer and director to finesse it. And I think that's what we get here, basically. I think the whole film has to be seen to be believed. I really do. It's two actors given great dialogue to recite. Um, it's like watching a play because, as I said, you know, it's all... Yeah, it, just the all, two of them. Yeah, and the camera sort of re, the camera sort of roves in the house and it revolves around the house as well. I mean, it's a stunning house. It really is. Um, and it's actually a real house as well. They hired it for a two-week shoot. But what they do as well oh, yeah. is they start to close it in. They start to make it feel claustrophobic. And it kind of makes you feel hmm. claustrophobic because of how much energy the performers are bringing. And like it sort of pins you back in your this. seat. Yeah. That's the thing. You're kind of like, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa. It, it, it's coming like a tidal wave at you. It's so powerful. Um, and I think... I'd finished watching it and I sort of had to calm down a bit because of how, you know, in your face it is. And it <laughs> yeah. reminded me, I tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Marriage Story. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 In its, emotionally charged. Exactly. And it's very honest depiction of relationships. For me, mm. I think this is as good as Marriage Story. I think it is. Well, look, it's early doors in 2021. But I think already this is the standout film of the year. Not going to say it's the best film of the year so far, because we're, we're only in February. But I just think started. This is the oh, first big standout film of the year. Definitely the big Valentine's Day love story. Well, mm, I, <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure if it's a Valentine's Day watch. Um, mm, that's a good question. I don't want to answer it. Bear it in mind, John David Washington. I've just looked about he's in Tenet. So at the same time exactly. he was filming this, yes. Tenet was doing great things. Yes. So he was basically channeling all that energy. So basically he was filming this while also doing uh press for Tenet. Blimey. Yeah. Busy I know. Man. I know. I mean he's having a brilliant year. Let's not forget a brilliant year. Tenet and this. Um yeah, I'm curious to see well, I I can't wait to see where he goes next. 
Fantastic. And this is out. This is Netflix, is it? This is Netflix, exclusively on Netflix. Fab. What have we got next? Uh, so we've got uh, a film that's on digital download. It's a film called Rams. Rams. Mm. Oh. Yeah, so this okay. is about a decades-long feud between two sheep farmer brothers. Uh, it comes to a head when disaster strikes the flocks. Oh, yeah. I, I must admit, I thought it was going to be about something else, but no. No, it's, okay. It's actually no, no. about well, sheep. That's yeah, <laughs> well, this is uh, an Australian remake of an Icelandic film. Oh, right. Okay. Right. It's, okay. I, I saw the Icelandic <laughs> film. I remember seeing it and thinking, that was kind of fun. It was fun. There's a lot of humour in it. Mm. Um, I've got to say that, you know, this is an English language version. Who would have thought that an English language remake set half the world away from where the original one was yeah. would be so well compared to the original as well? I mean, both are very different films. But both have that central core of love for animals at the heart of the film. I think this one has slightly less humour in it than the Icelandic version, but that doesn't take it away from from what it is, which is it's got this emotional core like the first one. Um, it stars mm. Sam Neill, who plays oh, yeah. one of the brothers. I think it goes without saying. Sam Neill, yes, uh, Doctor Alan Grant. Um, Sam Neill, great actor, great. Actor. It goes without oh, yeah. saying, you know. Brilliant. Um, him alone in this film had me glued to it. I was fascinated by it. his performance. is is really good, and he really okay. makes you care for his flock of sheep. And that's how it shows you how good mm. an actor he is. When you go, yeah, but it's just sheep. And but Sam Neill makes you care for his it's sheep. Not just sheep. This is Sam Neill's sheep. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Um, and I got caught up in the motion of that. It, it so it runs all the way through it basically and it's got this big old heart that i think truly does justice to the central story of these this, these bickering brothers um mm. because the whole narrative is ultimately about these two brothers who can't get over themselves to talk openly and honestly about each other even though they've lived next door to each other for for decades so the film is about family and about family legacy certainly yeah and i think it is an important part of the film as well it's certainly in the family legacy and how decades-long sheep farmers being in the family means nothing in the modern era. and it It's means, not something we can relate to, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's probably but, some people out there who can relate to it, you know, the farmers here in the UK, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Got a lot of farmers tuned in? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't had any uh, letters, so let's hope they are. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this is, you know, this is a film about two brothers who only know one life, and that is sheep rearing basically that's their life it's their yeah. sheep and this is what they've spent their lives doing with the sheep um i think beyond sam neill's brilliant performance in this film there's a really emotional and delicate performance from miranda richardson as the local vet britain's own miranda richardson oh who, yeah, yeah 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 um Good picture her. yeah the rest of the cast i think are very good as well but it is that relationship between richardson and o'neill uh and neil that i think really hits those notes so i think with this film, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people because it's very well made. It's got some funny moments in it. It's got mm. a lot of emotional moments in it as well. And, you know, it just everything connected very nicely in this film. Nice. A bit of a bromance in the end. Or... Uh, I mean... I mean, I don't want to spoil it, obviously. But... Well, no, not really. It's, it's As I said, it's more about family. And what family go through and when family mm. don't talk to each other and how that impacts everybody, basically. But, yeah, it's it's a really warming film. I think that's the way I can describe it, maybe. 
Nice. Wraps around like a cardigan. Oh. It'll oh. get you flocking to watch it. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, herding, like herding. That. Wrong word. Herding. Oh. Flocking. I'm talking about velociraptors. Herding, I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What have we got next? Okay, so a film that is exclusively on Amazon Prime. This is called Greenland. Greenland. Yes, there's a story oh. about a family who struggles for survival in the face of a cataclysmic natural disaster. Wow, not Father Christmas's house or anything like that. This no, is no. A bit more. No. Um, wow. Okay, so everything you need to know about the plot of this film, about the plot, the characters and the locations are in the first 10 minutes of this film. I mean, it is embarrassingly badly written as to how they give you all the information <laughs> you need in those opening 10 minutes. Oh, so okay. I'm going to give you a brief rundown. Okay, so here's what happens. Here's Gerard Butler. He's this blue collar worker. Uh, he's split from his wife. Here's his wife. It's the beautiful Marina Baccarin. Uh, she likes to do a lot of running. They've got a son. He likes to do some drawing. In school, he draws this asteroid that is bypassing Earth. He likes learning about the asteroid. He tells his dad oh, about the no. asteroid. His dad gets an automated phone call to tell him there's an emergency. And Homeland Security have selected him and his wife and his son for immediate travel to the safe zone. Gerard Butler doesn't know what this is all about because he's a blue-collar worker. He doesn't work Why for Homeland. He? But wait... <laughs> Could this be something to do with the asteroid? It most certainly is, because when Gerard Butler turns on the news, it turns out the asteroid is heading to Earth and will cause the destruction of not just lives and cities, but whole continents. What's Gerard Butler going to do? Oh, I'd probably just put the football on and forget about it, I reckon. Oh, oh I mean, that is a very straight that's, down the line. That's 10 minutes in the <laughs> fairly film. Fairly predictable beginning. Like, that's 10 minutes in the film. I had to write oh, all wow. that down. In 10 minutes. Like I'm scribbling notes all the time. Okay, so look, in all seriousness, this is a disaster movie that we've all seen before. It's nothing new. Um, after the initial opening exposition, uh, there's a lot of exposition, um, the film forgets <laughs> to be a disaster movie and turns into a search and rescue film when Gerald Butler's kid is kidnapped. And then for the next oh, 40 what? minutes. Yeah, I know, right? What? So... <laughs> Then for 40 minutes, we have to watch Gerard Butler and Marina Baccarin together and separately search for their son during the during the middle of the world being in a pan, in a panic, basically. Oh, blimey. Yeah, so it's an incredibly annoyingly <laughs> pointless narrative that serves no purpose apart from to get Gerard Butler and Marina Baccarin back together for the big finale of the movie, which it then reverts to a formulaic disaster movie, but with one slight twist. The place that they they can survive the apocalyptic fallout from the asteroid is in an aircraft hangar in Greenland. Greenland. Ah, oh, there we go. That's a blimey. Feel free, everybody listening, <laughs> to roll your eyes and uh, yeah, <laughs> and face palm. And, Hold your head in your yes, hands for a minute. I mean, yeah. there's so many questions. <laughs> How somebody in the US would get to Greenland? in the space of that time and whatever and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the story and the story is pointless. It's just a lot of huffing and puffing and running and jumping <laughs> and very little in the way of entertainment. When you make a disaster movie, it needs to be big. It needs to be a spectacle. Or if you're making a smaller, more claustrophobic, more gritty uh, disaster movie, it needs to affect you. But let's face it, this is going for big end of the world, um, you know, apocalyptic movies, basically. Um, yeah. I will say don't throw in a secondary story about a missing child. Pointless. Why? Why is this in here? 
really. Oh, yeah, that is a random curveball, isn't it? Yeah, it's so bizarre. It really, Don't lose uh, your kid in the middle of this crisis. Uh, yeah, it's like just bizarre. Gonna waste time. Um, so, I mean, that doesn't work. Let, honestly, it's just another disaster in a long line of disaster movies. <laughs> Well, it sounds a bit deep. In, is it deep impact? The moment they went and hid in the bunker. Well, yeah, I mean, basically the same story. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a long list of other disaster movies. This is the thing. Twenty twelve, you could say it's kind of like, um, yeah, deep impact. All of these big disaster movies that have done it better than ever before. And Greenland comes along and goes, "Here's what we're going to do: um, exposition, 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 exposition." Story that's not involved in the main story, really. Uh, right, that's all tied up. Back to the real story. We've got about 20 minutes left to tie it up. <laughs> I, yeah. I, honestly. Like, uh, Would you have just... preferved a shorter version which cut out the kid? He didn't draw yeah, the asteroid. They the, didn't well, know it was coming. They just well, smashed into him and that was the end of the film. That would have helped because <laughs> the film is two hours. Well, that is a long time. Yeah, yeah and as I said, some oh. of that is trying to find the kid. And I'm like, what? 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 Take that out and you've got a good, probably solid, well, not solid, it's still rubbish, 85-minute film. At least I can tolerate that. Two hours. Two hours. Gerard Butler, two, how- two hours of Gerard Butler. Looking for a child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. Well. Well, that we'll let the asteroid just crash into that one. <laughs> yeah, there were times where I was thinking, just let it happen. Just, yeah, just speed just, it up. Just put us all out of our misery. <laughs> We've got two more films to do, uh, but we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll get a cup of tea, shall we? Yeah, let's have that. Let's just calm down after the exuberance <laughs> that just happened there. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink, and Mr. Mark Seabee's still with me. We're going to need a cushion and uh, a cup of cocoa for these next well, two. What we, we are. <laughs> we are. We've got two British films now, and both of these were mentioned as the best British films of 2020. I do not Ooh. argue with that point at all, to be nice. honest with you. So on DVD and Blu-ray this week, we've got St. Maud, uh, which is a story Saint about Maud, Maud, who is a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of a dying patient. Oh, so this is classed as a horror drama mystery, according to IMDb. It's very much all of those things and all of those things being immersed in esotericism. The film revels in esoteric themes and visuals and everything because it's a film that doesn't really offer answers only more questions so Maud is at first a very shy nurse who just wants to get each job done for her housebound patient however Mm. what happens is soon these demons come from something in her past and they start to flood her mind and her body and we see her become almost possessed I think is the right word Um, via her thoughts her mind is being enveloped by a force that she believes is god but actually seems to be more toward the devil because she finds herself going deeper and deeper into this troubled mindset and it isn't long before maud's mental state changes her outlook on her patient and things start to happen and things are said this only furthers Maud's descent into her own subconscious. I mean, it's honestly, the finale is one of the most shocking finales I've seen 
since Kill List, which I think is about 15 years ago now. Wow. Yeah. Like the, the, the end, I was like, you, uh, you can't make, you can't do that. Oh, wow. Who, okay. who does that? I mean, it's such brave filmmaking. It, it really is. <laughs> um, so I've got to say, it's not a by-the-numbers horror film. There's no blood and gore in this at all. It's all psychological. It's all mind-bending, mind-altering. Mm. So if you like your films veering towards the territory of David Lynch, then da- uh, then St. Maud is definitely for you. It really is. Um mm. And I think I have to give huge praise here to go to first-time feature film writer Rose Glass for making a film like this. As I said, you know, this that ending alone, wow. Um, and she's clearly tapping into an area of filmmaking that doesn't happen that much. And I think this film certainly benefits from it being a very spiritual viewing experience. Mm. Um, also, got to say bravo to Morphid Clark as Maud. Last time we saw her was in... Um, the personal history of David Copperfield. I mean, a completely different performance. Oh my God, yeah. yes. You that is a very is different actor. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, a performance. Slight change in role. Oh dear. Honestly, I mean, there she's great in David Copperfield, but in this, this is a very different performance. I, I think it is something that she's had to dig deep inside of her acting talent to find this. It is a performance to be very, very proud of. I think she perfectly gets the slow downward spiral of Maud in such a way that you wonder if, to be honest, am I actually still watching Maud or am I watching Morphid Clark? <laughs> She's channeling this from yeah, experience. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. has she gone so far down the rabbit hole that actually this is just Morphid Clark trying to exercise something to make? It is such a phenomenal it's, experience. Hope she doesn't it become really a nurse, is. you know. Yeah, it's Future. such a brilliant performance <laughs> and and it's brilliant experience watching it. Um, this film really plays by its own rules. Doesn't care if you don't understand it or not. Um, as I said, leaves you with more answers than questions. Um, it leaves you with a tormented mindset after. As I said, that ending left me on the floor, really. Um, and Quaking. everything that went behind, <laughs> everything that went before it as well. That's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, what I'm saying is. It's a deeply complex and psychological film. And for me, personally, I loved it. <laughs> More of that, please. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what that says about me, but... Yeah. Yeah. I'll book you an appointment and we'll find you out. You might need to. You might need to. But <laughs> honestly, this is a brilliant performance. And as I said, classed as one of the best British films of 2020. I do not disagree. Fantastic. I, even just the trailer is enough for uh, me to need to sit down and uh, talk yeah. to someone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the trailer alone is brilliant. And then you see the film. Mm. And, and and also, I've got to mention, this film is less than 90 minutes. Oh, it's a short one. Yeah, yeah well, less you, than 90 you, minutes. To I be think fair, it's like, do you want it any longer? I mean, no, absolutely not. not. <laughs> but you know what the weird thing? That's a good question, actually. You asked there, do I want it any longer? And I said, no. Part of me says, yes. Yeah. I want to explore it more. Um Mm. Fantastic. Saint Maud. So it's out on on DVD. DVD, Blu-ray. It's also available on uh, digital download as well, I believe. So you know all of the places you can get it as well. It's also on paid streaming as well. Highly, highly recommended if you can stomach it. And do talk to a friend shortly afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What we got next? Our last so, film. So yes, uh, this is a film called Muscle. Um, it's Muscle. about middle-aged Simon who's struggling at work and with his home life. Uh, he kind of sees it like a never-ending pit of despair. That is 
until he meets Terry at the local gym. This is a bodybuilder who agrees to help him in the gym and with his life. Soon, Simon's life is on the up, but he very quickly discovers there's a dark side to Terry. Oh, this is it. I mean, I've never made friends in the gym, but I always wonder that. Well, I mean, it's put me off the gym. I'll be honest. I mean, not that I went anyway. I mean, yeah, I'll probably won't go now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've got to be honest. Much like Saint Maud, this is a massively oppressive film. It it covers you in a layer of pain and sadness and hurt and anger and aggression. I mean, it's a nasty film, yet. That also shows how much of an impressive piece of filmmaking it is. I mean, it literally picks apart the male masculinity before your very eyes because you've got these big, beefy blokes who think they can do whatever they want when they want because of their size, and they get a rude awakening in this film. Mm. Um, Simon, who seems it seems like the nicest guy at the start, but after being trained in the gym and, and given something, steroids, by Terry, he becomes this loose cannon and then... Terry moves in and it becomes a bit of a party palace. But then Simon soon realizes that he's being ripped apart and the life of being the life of the party comes with consequences. And he, he is thrown into Terry's world with some very devious jobs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. It's a filthy, nasty, reprehensible film. Yet that's the point of the film. That's the exact point of it. Yeah. It. Uh, you know, it pulls apart the idea of the male bravado and the masculine stereotypes. And what it does is it holds a mirror up to some of the troubles that being like that can cause. So it delves into the psyche of having it all and never being told no, but from a viewpoint of a very small wannabe crook who just happens to be a muscle man from the local gym. So, you know, no one will go near him and he's kind of got free reign over his area over his turf shall we yeah, say he is the alpha however there's somebody pulling the strings behind him and then the film definitely opens up not just simon's story but also terry's into one of who is the real masculine person in this storyline hmm. yeah yeah um okay you've seen the trailer seen that it's yeah. shot in black and white okay um, the whole film just, yeah, the whole film is uh, yeah. in black and white. I have to yeah. say, I think it's great in black and white. It, it doesn't just ripple. It gigantically waves with testosterone all the way through it. It is <laughs> a really heavy watch. At times, I had to turn away from it. The party scene in Simon's flat becomes a very debauched party that is shot with a wonky lens, like a, a, a weird, trippy lens. Ooh. Otherwise, if they had not used that, I don't think this film would have passed the BBFC board. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, to be honest, <laughs> I'm quite surprised it did get passed in the version it did because there's things in here where I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> right. Yes. Not seen that in a film. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it in a film, but not done the way this is. And as I said, it just it just washes into you and you think I can't feel any more horrible than I do. But that's the point of the film. Mm -hmm. I've got to say, it's not a horror film. It really isn't. It is a psychological drama that I think goes much deeper than many fear to tread. And that's why this film really stands out because it's very powerful. It's a very moving film about maybe pushing yourself too far. You know, how far can you go before actually you start to lose sight of your own self? That's the thing. And what 
that can do to you mentally and physically and spiritually and whatever else goes with it. Um, as I yeah. said, this was said as one of the best British films of 2020. I completely agree. Um, it's just such a tough watch. I mean, wow. It's heavy wow. if you can lift it. Otherwise, you just pull a muscle. <laughs> I mean, the first part of that statement is correct. Uh, the second part relates to something else in the film, which I'm not going to even touch, to be honest. Um, <laughs> okay. it is, yeah, it is a really heavy film. And I've got to say, Craig Fairbrass is in this. Okay. And most people will probably know him from EastEnders. Um, I have to say, I know him as the bad guy from Cliffhanger all those years ago. So I've uh, not really seen anything he's done in many, many years because he, he also does a lot of um, British gangster films. I was looking which... him up. He was the voice in Call of Duty. Oh, OK. okay. It's some of the characters. Ben. So, he, you know, he's yes. he's had this career, which is sort of I, I, I'm aware of him, but he, he's never really come into the films that I've reviewed. I've got to say, mm. wow, what a performance in this film. I mean, yeah. just startling, absolutely startling. He plays Terry, the the bodybuilder. Um, psychotic is the only way I can put it. And I get the feeling that maybe like Morfid Clark in St. Maud, trying to get to the depths of the character, maybe Craig Fairbrass went to some dark places to find who Terry really was. And if he did, brilliant, because he's really put that across very, very well on film. Yeah, nice. He's uh, clearly got some gym experience, but... I mean, he's, he's go. got, yeah, he's he's very well built. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nice. What could we watch on the telly box this weekend, Mark? Well, got it's an interesting week this week, actually, on the TV. Um, so on Saturday night, <laughs> funnily enough, staying with uh, troubled British films, we have <laughs> the terrestrial premiere of In Fabric. Okay. In Fabric. Yes. Yeah, so this is an, uh, a film from Peter Strickland who did Barbarian Sound Studio, which I thought was a brilliant uh, psychological horror film. The same with In Fabric. Here's what I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. So a woman is about to attend uh, a big gala event. She goes to a shop and she buys this wonderful bright red dress. However, it turns out that this red dress has some sort of a spiritual connection that makes her do things. Oh. That's that's how I'm going to okay. leave it, okay? That's all I'm going to leave <laughs> it as. Um, I saw this when it came it's out. It's got a jumper I, a bit like that. Right. Uh, well, that's worrying then if the jumper's making you do the same things that this dress does to yeah, the woman. makes me want to um, sit down and watch Countdown and no, the, this eat whatever's original. No, 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 it doesn't. No, it's <laughs> no. different. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really dark piece of work um but actually very good i really oh. like it um so this is saturday night 11 20 p.m on bbc2 and it deserves to be that late to be honest because um, <laughs> not for the kids no definitely not definitely not yes <laughs> this is in fabric then yes nice what, what we got there where we scott okay look let's cheer ourselves up shall we let's cheer ourselves <laughs> up yeah sunday 6 55 p.m on gold uh, Gold Channel, uh, Groundhog Day is on. Again. Aha, I oh, like it. Oh, so obviously oh. Groundhog Day was earlier this week. Uh, it was Tuesday where <laughs> Sky Movies, bravo to whoever does this because they do it every year. They just program Groundhog Day throughout the whole day. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant, fantastic. Very good. So if you missed it earlier in the week, it's on Sunday, um, 6.55 p.m. on Gold. Let's face it, it is probably one of the best um, time travel movies. 
Yeah. I guess, you know, people have been ripping it off for for decades since. And I have to say, there's only one film that has come close to it. Um, and we will review that later in the year when it finally gets a UK release. But mm-hmm. for now, Bill Murray is still the king of being stuck in his life. <laughs> day after Even though day. we've all tried doing that recently. Yeah, well, uh, it, yeah, well, this is the thing. It's Groundhog Day <laughs> again. Guess what? It's yeah. Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it's me, Ned Ryderson, Needlenose Ned. I mean, I could quote most of this film to you, to be honest, <laughs> even like the Andy McDowell lines and everything else that goes with it. I, I just love this film so much. It's so much fun. It really is. So, um, you know, 7 p.m. on a Sunday, it's kind of like the perfect end to the weekend, really. Yeah, it's a nice way around things off. Yeah. Sunday gold. Nice. It's, it's in the planner. It's been ages since I've seen that, actually. See, that's the thing. See, you, you kind of think, yeah, yeah, well, I've seen yes. it. But you watch it and you get those warming feelings that you always get with a Bill Murray film that's a little bit mad, a little bit slapstick and whatever else. But, you know, this is a romantic comedy. But nice. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. What we got to look forward to next week? So next week, we're going to be talking about the new Tom Hanks film called <gasps> News of the World. Ooh. Yeah. So that's going to be on Netflix. Um, Anything to do in the newspaper? No, it's not. Well, no, okay. it is to do oh. with newspapers. Ah. It is to do with newspapers. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about a horror film called Possessor. Possessor. Oh. Possessor. Possessor. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I love the first Cats and Dogs film. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen uh, the second as well. So, you know, now we've got a third. And we're going to be talking about the new Nicolas Cage film. It's called... Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> no comment. You're I don't know why you're laughing. I'm just no. telling you the title. What's funny about it? Willy's Wonderland. Well, look forward to discussing that on the radio. Here's the... <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, the powers that be at Phoenix FM may take They're us off there next week. Yeah, that yeah. Fingers on um, the button. Is it? Yeah. So uh, next week, a new Nicolas Cage film that is really going to push both myself and Stuart as to what we can say on the radio <laughs> may, may push us just 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 it, teetering it, on the edge yes, yes yes absolutely so tune in next week to see if we manage to make it or not yes I will yeah. <laughs> certainly <laughs> see you then bye with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby film reviews and movie news 98 FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online.